0: Welcome to The Page Podcast. Today, you'll meet five Baldwin County educators and learn a little about how they and their school district are meeting the challenges of school closures, distance learning, and all that that means for students and educators.
1: It very much inspired this new unit called the Coronacles.
2: IDA wasn't written with COVID-19 and a world pandemic in mind.
3: Staying connected with some of these kids is more important than making sure they finish an assignment.
4: I know that teachers wear different hats, but I found that the, uh, the counselor hat has been uh, there beside me most days, every day.
0: Hello, I'm Craig Harper, Executive Director for the Professional Association of Georgia Educators. Page serves 97,000 Georgia educators as a leading advocate for public education, as well as a valuable resource for member needs with legal representation, legislative services, and professional learning. When schools first closed due to COVID-19, PAGE surveyed our members to find out how educators and schools were dealing with the early days of the crisis. More than 15,000 educators responded. The data from the survey is going a long way in helping PAGE serve members through this crisis and beyond. The survey report, this podcast, and other COVID-19 resources are available on the PAGE website at www.pageinc.org. Among the survey findings, educators from a few districts indicated they believed their district, schools, and peers were doing everything possible to meet student needs. Baldwin County was one of those districts. Even with issues of student poverty, limited technology resources, and no prior emphasis on preparation for distance learning, educators were rising to the challenge. Baldwin County is a public charter school system of about 5,200 students in central Georgia. Milledgeville is the county seat 40 miles east of Macon and 100 miles southeast of Atlanta. The district student body is majority black at 67% of enrollment and 93% of all students qualify for free and reduced lunch. Dr. Norris Price, superintendent of schools, praises her educators for responding to the needs of the community and their heart for kids. She arranged for me to speak with three classroom teachers, an elementary principal, and the district director of special education. I hope you enjoy our conversation.
1: I'm Jamie Beal. I work for Georgia College Early College as an English teacher for the past two years.
2: I'm Tracy White. I'm the Special Education Director in Baldwin County Schools.
3: I'm Ryan Marazidi. I'm a fifth grade reading teacher at Lakeview Academy.
5: Hi, I'm
2: Sean Holder. I'm the principal at Lakeview
5: Academy. Good
4: morning, Craig. I'm Ken Smith. I teach at Georgia College Early College. I teach seventh grade, RELA and social studies, and also a high school PE in
0: health. All right. Well, welcome to all of you, and I appreciate you joining me for this conversation today. Before we get into a whole lot of specifics and just some real broad terms, I'll ask the teachers on our call today, how is distance learning going for you and what's been your experience so far? Jamie?
1: It's really been a mixed batch. We've definitely seen some challenges in terms of having a hard time getting in touch with parents on occasion and the parents having some difficulty not exactly knowing how to navigate through these times. And it's definitely hard not being able to see the students every day and just kind of be able to just give them that hug, give them that reassurance, you know, just being there for them in that way. But in other ways, I feel closer to them because I'm able to give them a lot more one-on-one time. I'm able to give them a lot more feedback in terms of their grading because I have
3: more time to do so. So it's really, really been a mixed batch.
0: And Ryan, how about for you?
3: I guess from a a bigger picture, you know, obviously missing the students, not having them in class with us, uh, that is definitely tough. I think from a bigger picture, you know, one of the things we can look at is I heard it said, like, you don't want to waste a good crisis. You know, because I think during this time, we, we start to really kind of identify what things were working, what things weren't working. It gets clear during the hard time. So I think us and the students, that's one of the most valuable things I think we can teach them is not to waste this good crisis, because there's a lot of things we can start to now kind of sort through. Like you peel away all the, all the distractions, all the noise. Ken, how about for you? Well, from the get go,
4: it was a, a little challenging running down a few parents and a few students. However, after the first week of school, you know, there are some unknown factors that keep popping up. We have full participation in our grade level and students are showing up every morning just like they would in a a regular school setting. And then we continue doing the uh, same teaching strategies that we've been using and uh, just trying to adapt day by day because this is all new, how to read, write, speak, and listen in this format The students have met the challenge thus far, and I'm very proud of them.
0: This was a very quick transition. Went from being in a class one day, schools were closed, you went home, you weren't sure how long that was going to last. What were your feelings about that? How were you thinking about how things were going to go when this first got started? Were you worried about it? Were you anxious? Did you feel like you had the tools that you needed? Anything related to that? Tracy? Tracy?
2: I think when we first broke and got out, we thought we were coming back, honestly, uh, within two weeks. I don't think we really went home thinking, oh my gosh, we're going to be home doing this for the next six weeks. So I think that was a huge adjustment for us to make and spin on the dime, as they say. I think that's been the ongoing thing for us, too, in, in my opinion, from what I feel like we've been through.
0: And so we are a few weeks into this now. So maybe for those of you that that have classroom responsibilities every day, what you're doing and how you're handling this, Jamie?
1: Well, thankfully, at Georgia College, early college, at least at the high school level, we already have a more or less blended learning environment. We assign a lot of their homework through um, Schoology and through other types of online learning products. But it, it really was like Miss White said, it's a matter of we didn't really expect it. So that first probably into maybe even the second week, we kind of were working off of, OK, we're going to come back. But then we kind of had this realization that, oh, snap, we need to start really pushing it harder and try to be a little bit more innovative in what we're doing, um, not just practicing. We need to keep on rolling out that new content and keep learning flowing. And so that's what we did. Um, we just kind of started integrating into that Zoom reality, I guess, phone going pretty well with that.
0: Uh, Ryan, you're, you're at the elementary level. Um, so had your students had any real experience with, with digital learning or was that, that new as well?
3: Yeah, our school district really in the last couple of years has seen the curve with, with learning, uh, especially digitally. Um, I think the balance there was finding you almost give them too much screen time that it can work against you. Um, so that's what we're learning right now. These kids are at home on different screens, whether it's tablets, phones, computers doing work. So we're taking the approach of more of a compassion versus compliance at times because you have so many obstacles for different children. You have to level that playing field to some degree. And I think this this is just a bigger picture for, I think our leadership in our school district has done a great job because the only constant in life is change. And, you know, change is inevitable, but growth is optional. And through this crisis and through the transition, I think that's what we've seen is a staff of teachers and administrators is that the growth side. Now we knew the change was coming for how long we didn't know. So, you know, it's funny people say, well, and I understand your question. It's kind of a loaded question because nobody knew, you know, how, how the change was going to come. So of course we were going to find shortfalls, which is great conversation because these are the things that we need to really kind of hone in on. And this could happen again. We don't know. This is not business as usual. It's now business as unusual, you know? And so we're going to have to adapt and get creative in these times. And I think that's what it's about. We're kind of, the roles have almost been reversed. We as teachers are are taking on that, you know, student position of how, how are we going to navigate this? How are we going to not just go through this, but grow through it? And that's why we say that the compassion versus compliance is such an important piece because staying connected with some of these kids is more important than making sure they finish an assignment to know that they've got somebody there for them because that routine has been broken with everything.
0: Right. And then you've also got the issue of dealing with your own circumstances, being at home and whatever else may be going on with you, with family and other responsibilities. So what's that been like for y'all? Doing your work differently, but doing it in a different environment and a completely different set of circumstances. How have you adapted to that?
4: In my uh, house, we found that there's not enough room. As I was talking to you earlier, Craig, I'm very loud. and My wife says that she's having a hard time teaching over me. And so I I think that my neighbor went out and bought a brand new chainsaw about the time all this happened. And I've been trying to do some outdoor teaching. However, it seems like he's timed perfectly with me when I began to teach. Uh, So that's been very challenging. Uh, I'm fortunate and my wife and I have the emptiness. Our children uh, have moved on. I I really feel for those who have any children, much less uh, infants. and, And I know it's very hard the, the more children that you have and then you have other circumstances where uh, some of my students are keeping up with their siblings and they're on the Zoom sessions and I'm, I'm meeting my future students right there uh, several years ahead of time on Zoom. So it's, it's been challenging but very unique and uh, I've embraced the uniqueness and, and, and making the best of it and, and I think all the teachers involved in, uh, from what's getting out there have done a really good way we're not all doing it the same way but that's exactly like it is in the classroom we all do our own thing and and for a common goal.
0: Sean go ahead.
5: Yes I was just going to say that it I have heard from a lot of the teachers that's probably one of the biggest stressors is trying to homeschool their own children while homeschooling the the children that are on their class rosters so that has been a challenge for them Uh, personally I think that just um trying to keep everybody at peace about the whole situation. And you know, there's so many unknowns still and teachers don't like unknowns. You know, they like to know the plans. That's just our personalities. So just trying to help them maneuver through the waters of uncertainty at this point. Um, I, I like, I'm like Ken, I have um, tried to be outside on the porch doing some of my zoom meetings, grade level meetings and such And inevitably, a neighbor walks by and wants to talk (laughs) or say hi. I think one of the things for me that has been a blessing is being able to have some one-on-one time with these children. It's like Jamie said, I've gotten to know some of my children even better. You know, they are using Google Duo. They're using um, Zoom or whatever to connect with me. And it's just been special to have that opportunity. I do miss the hugs, though. I'm like Jamie. I miss my hugs.
0: Yeah, there's something about school and just the uh, culture of everybody being together and and a lot of energy and enthusiasm that you just can't get through a call like this or or doing digital learning for sure. So, Sean, as an administrator, uh, what's it been like for you trying to deal with all of the pressures coming in, questions from parents, questions from students, staff? Wondering, you know, what's going on the district level that you've got to interpret, and just all the other direction that you would normally give staff. What's that like for you?
5: It's been a challenge, trying to balance all of that. And you know, this is the time of year when it ramps up for administrators. Anyway, you're trying to close out the current year and move forward with the plans for the next year. So, trying to juggle all that, I've just had to set a schedule for myself of when I'm doing what and trying not to overwhelm teachers because some of the things that they normally would participate in as far as planning for next year and closing out this year, it's just an added stressor at this point because I don't think people realize it's harder on these teachers to do this than being in the classroom, not just emotionally, but also physically. We have children who are sharing computers with siblings and are not able to use that computer until Late into the evening, we have parents that work during the day and they can only call a, a teacher and access a teacher later in the evening. So it, we, we say we have office hours from you know nine to noon and one to three for parents to contact. That's not realistic. It's not for the teachers. It's not for me. Um, so we've had to be flexible with that. So I think that that's been one of the big challenges is making sure that staff remember to take care of themselves. I know all teachers but you know I've only been in elementary school my whole career and elementary teachers are nurturing and they want to do go above and beyond and do everything and anything for these children during this time make sure they're fed make sure they have um, a warm or cool house depending on the weather Um, so I think sometimes my role I have to make sure that my teachers and staff are taking care of themselves you know, you can get so mired up in this and taking care of the, what I call the little people or my sweet peeps that the, the adults kind of miss out on being um, emotionally nourished, <laughs> so to speak. So uh, I've tried to reach out to some of the staff that I know live alone and don't have access to family members you know, and then they're doing Zoom. Our superintendent has been reaching out to the administrative staff and checking on us. Baldwin County is an exceptional place from the top down. And I commend the teachers. As Ryan said, the district leadership, it's been amazing. My first thing when we were going into this uh, adventure was I worried so much about the children having food, but the district has taken care of that. And then there are other, I've had teachers that have contacted me and said, you know, I know so-and-so doesn't have food and I can't get to the um, pickup spot or whatever. So, you know, I think that different creative ways of getting our, our children's physical needs met has taken place and everybody has just done an amazing job in stepping up to the plate.
0: And Tracy, did you have a comment related to that?
2: I think uh, the scheduling piece altogether for our parents and our teachers and ourselves as staff, it's just overwhelming, honestly, what we went through at the beginning. I I spoke with a a teacher when we first started like on day three. Great teacher, been in the classroom for years, very experienced, always like cutting edge of technology. She called me absolutely sobbing because she was exhausted after the third day because she said, Miss White, honestly, it's like you're constantly on go. There are no, there is no hour. There is no, you know, parents are not able to call me during the day. They need to help the kids. I can't not take that phone call at 10 o'clock. She said, my husband finally was like, you have got to turn this phone off. You know, I understand that you have a passion for teaching and a passion for kids, but you've got to take care of yourself. And that is one of the things I think I have worried about with our our teaching staff. They have such hearts of gold and they are always about what's best for the kids and what's best for the family. And they're never going to shut the door so to speak. And it's just been amazing to watch that, that level of passion. It's
0: unbelievable. So for the teachers, how have you, now that we're what, five, six weeks into this, how have you learned how to adapt to that, like just constant need to respond? Are you still trying to figure that out or have you figured it out? Go ahead, Jamie.
1: I feel like I'm a guilty party in this situation and I haven't figured it out, but I've always been the type who found teaching to be very, all consuming. Um, it's definitely a passion. And I feel like during these times, that passion is driving our flexibility and, um, kind of our willingness to try to be as communicative and available as possible, but it definitely, you know, does have its downfalls. It can um, be a little overwhelming at times. Um, I have found solace, I guess, in this professional learning class that I've been taking with Dr. Cynthia Alvey called Flourishing During Difficult Times. It's basically founded on the principles of positive psychology, and she's teaching us strategies on how to cope with stress, but as well as just enhance your overall well-being. And what I've been doing is not only taking that as a challenge for myself, I've also brought that into the classroom through this new unit. It, it very much inspired this new unit called the Chronicles, where we are blogging about our experiences using these strategies um, during the corona crisis, um, while also working on our communicative skills through an online platform, blogging. But I can't say that I'm always the best example of that um, because I do definitely put the job first. I think the hardest thing about it is sometimes just always being on the computer. Like I didn't mind it as much actually when I was in the classroom because I could walk around and go from student to student. But now I have to be at the computer and I don't know if it's the best thing for our health. I'm sure with maybe a bit more discipline on my part, um, I could do better. (laughs) I just haven't done it yet.
0: Go ahead, Ken.
4: I know that teachers wear different hats, but I found that the uh, the counselor hat has been uh, there beside me most days, every day. In particular, I have I have two students, but one he is scared to death, and every day I make sure if he hasn't contacted me by class time that I contact him, and I've been giving him you know what what I think is good advice. But you can't control these factors. He said, like, "Yes, that's what my dad says." And the thing is, his dad's not there. His dad's working. He needs me to be there to remind him, you can't worry about things you can't control. Let's worry about the things that we can control. And in itself, it makes it difficult for me some mornings.
1: I feel like we are kind of limited in terms of psychological services and just being able to check on even the physicality of our students and just making sure that there's nothing bad going on at home. Um, it is a true worry on all teachers' minds right now.
3: Ryan. So I think, yeah, what everybody's saying is an echo. I, I think part of it too is with, with the kids back to your other question about how are we, you know, working with these kids in a distance too, and helping them navigate. I think a big thing is people reflect what you put out. So if you freak out and you stress out, they're going to freak out and stress out. And so for a teacher, for me, personally, I've had to draw boundaries. You know, you have to create healthy boundaries in your life because teaching profession will overwhelm you. It'll engulf you. And there's nothing wrong with that, but <clears throat> what good are you if you're burned out for your family? and the ones you love at home. And I think that's, again, when I was saying earlier, don't waste a good crisis, these are things that are starting to come into a little bit more clear vision of what teachers maybe wrestle with that we haven't addressed. Um, Like you just heard the social, emotional side of everything, like the psychological. I think that's an area schools need to step up in in education overall and hire professionals because we're misleading kids. Look, we might be certified teachers, but there's a difference between certification and qualification. You can be certified by taking a test, but you're only qualified if you've gone through the fire of of the experience. And I think we, as a bigger picture, try to wear hats that don't fit out of necessity. So I, I think there's a lot of honor in that. But I also think that's there's a lot of misguidance there because, you know, to really care about these kids, we need those services in place. And it, and, and it can go about, it's a banter. I understand that. I think the big thing too, like, like everybody was saying, is not being there physically for the kids. You know, a lot of these kids evaluate their own, you know, their achievement by the grades they they attain, right? Versus the character they're cultivating. And when we're there in the classroom and in the school with them, we're helping them recognize the character and not just not just the attainment of the grade. So that's the biggest gap, too. I feel like that that I can't, you know, to what everybody said you know, there, the child at home that doesn't have a parent, the one that's hungry, the one that's dealing with social emotional issues, you know, personality stuff. Those are the things that we are, that we as teachers, those are the hats that we are good with, that we can, we can speak life into a child and and positive and reinforcement. So that anchors them while they're at the school day, regardless of what grades they were able to do or not do. That's the biggest thing I think that I'm seeing that that's, or at least for me that I struggle with is I can't be that anchor for those kids in that storm of uncertainty, whether it's things that are going on in the environment, the economy, at home. That, that's the challenge.
0: We've talked about boundaries and some of those challenges. What about the just the technical aspect of what you're dealing with? Do your kids have a way to get online, most of them, or are you finding that they don't? How are you accommodating some of that? How are they getting their lessons? How are you communicating with them? How are you following up with them if they don't have devices?
4: Fortunately, all of my students have been able to get online. Uh, most of them have computers, and if not, they're using the phone. Now, I'm not able to reach all from 9 to 12 because they're sharing computers with some with their parents, some with siblings. Uh, so I have one to three, and then I have two that can't even do it between one and three. So I'm allowing them to come on whenever they can after 5 o'clock. So it kind of goes with that schedule. Uh, when I get up 6.30 in the morning, I start at 7, and I end 9 or 10. And if, I, if I'm able to get in the yard and, and do something, I have my phone with me. I have students that text, email, call. And to me, that's my position right now. However, I do not have children, so I understand that it's much easier for me. But I feel like in, at this part of my life, I'm fortunate that I can help students in that matter. I know all of our teachers are doing it, but it is more of a burden for others than it has been for me. But I wanna be available as much as possible because at school, there's a safe learning environment. We make sure that they are always safe. We cannot control the learning environment that they're having as we watch them on Zoom. So it's important for me to be in touch with what's going on in their environment As I see 20 screens, I see 20 different environments, and that's not the same as my classroom, and and it's harder to control that. However, I I make sure that I interact with each student so that I can see that they're healthy, that they're they're speaking about what's going on, and we have a lot of dialogue about what's going on right now in the world. And I think that's important as seventh graders now, it, it might not be age appropriate for or, or, or you know other elementary school levels. However, I think it's important that we get it out there and talk about it. We've done a lot of informative texts, and uh, argumentative texts about the COVID-19 and creative writing where they've made up their own stories. And I think it's important that they're exposed to that. And they've done a really great job with their writing. And I, I'm more impressed with their writing and speaking at this point because that's the only true avenue that we have is with Zoom and they're really doing a good job doing both and listening to each other. So I think that's another success story that has come out of my class from this.
0: Ryan, for elementary, you're teaching fifth grade, so they're upper elementary. Do they have devices, and are they pretty comfortable using and interacting with you through those uh, those mediums?
3: County's done a great job. They they put out a, they pushed out a survey very early on. Once we found out this was gonna be an extended stay, offered laptops for a lot of children. I think they've given out over 500 uh, that they've signed out, which is a, a very large number of devices. You know, a lot of students struggle with the Wi-Fi uh, connection issues. You can, I, even I have that here and I have fiber optic. I have families that are sharing computers. So from a, a an availability standpoint, the county has done everything they can to make these things available. Once it goes out of the county's hands, then we run into the challenges of sometimes connectivity, Sometimes children have trouble navigating. We tried to really streamline we we asked a lot of questions of the kids too when we get on a daily like a weekly zoom with them. Hey, what works? what doesn't what things are are you guys finding easy to navigate? which ones are harder and we take that feedback and we adjust kind of how we post our work, the assignments, and you know really kind of scaled it to a point where they can get online click on a on a certain slide and all their assignments are in one place so uh the challenge is they're definitely there uh again, that's why we're 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 looking at the having some compassion versus just the compliance, like, hey, we need you to get your work done. But we also know there's going to be factors that are going to get in the way. Um, You know, and and I think the the kids that really want to do the work are doing the best they can, you know, um, some don't have the support at home, you know, so that's another gap. So I feel like if we can just get in touch and make contact and walk them through some assignments. Uh, like I've had three or four students now just uh, on Google message me about certain assignments they might be missing. Can you can you show me where this is at? So I think once the dialogue gets started and they have some familiarity, it's been an easier transition. But initially, yes, there was a, a lot of learning, a lot of, a lot of speed bumps, um, but we navigated through it. I think that's where keeping a calm head. And again, that starts at leadership when the leadership you know keeps a, a very even keel. Okay. And, and I know Dr. Holder had us on calls several times that, you know, hey guys, here's here's what, here's what I know. Let me get your feedback. When you feel hurt, a lot of times, a lot of the the unknown uncertainty, the anxiety goes away because we all just want to be acknowledged at some point. And so if we as adults feel that way, how do these kids feel? You know, and so I think that's where, you know, yeah, it's been great in terms of the availability. There's been no uh, shortage of people having access to. Let me have some... Obviously there's some conditions where people can't maybe get out. But the county's even offered to put Wi Fi in buses and put and drive those through to some neighborhoods. So that's pretty awesome. Go ahead, Jamie.
1: Times like this are just kind of shedding light on some of the issues that students were dealing with before. It's just become even more apparent. Um, Like in terms of the Wi-Fi, I think that's the biggest issue. Thankfully, with our district, we have definitely rolled out those computers fairly quickly, and that wasn't so much an issue. Sometimes what I saw was a couple of the students did not tell their parents (laughs) until I made a phone call. Um, But again, that's where kind of teacher accountability came into play again. Like if you're the type of teacher who's going to get on the phone, like you notice that student hasn't been on Zoom you know, for a couple of days, um, but they've been doing the assignments. So that just makes it to where that gives you a signal you need to kind of step up and make that contact to see what's really going on. Um, and in terms of the Wi-Fi, I just hope that this really encourages us in the future, you know, just politically speaking, to really put more investment into, you know, Wi-Fi and things like that. Because I know certain school systems, but they actually provide hotspots. They, they have one-on-one devices and they send them home with their students and they, it literally basically comes with Wi-Fi. So the technology and the availability is out there. We just have to maybe find the funding for that. Same for the one-on-one computers and things like that. But in terms of the classroom, I have been very unfortunate in having my students probably like 25 to 30 out of the 30 in my own class. Basically, they'll be there, and they'll be, or they'll at least do their assignment. Um, you'll have one or two that were the same, one or two that always struggled with doing their assignments. But it, it really comes back to just being a little bit more flexible with them, letting kids turn things in, and you know, just being a little bit more supportive and giving them more one-on-one time as needed um, during this kind of time because you really, you really don't know what's going on at home or what's going on in the background that might be causing them not to turn in those assignments.
0: So a couple of you have mentioned that you've actually adjusted maybe the kind of assignments that you were giving kids to do. Uh, I really like the Corona Chronicles and and the creative writing. So what's different right now of what you're expecting your students to do than you would have been if you'd been in the classroom right now?
1: Well, we unfortunately, we don't have the benefit of more of the project-based learning that we had before. Um, For instance, like early on before we started the Chronicles, we were working on food narratives with our texts like butter for Chocolate, and normally we would all bring in our foods, you know, that we made, to go along with our our stories and have a good time with that. But we were unable to do that. However, again, it comes down to flexibility. We just changed it up, and I said, you know what? Like, if you can, not requirement, but if you can, see if you can go and try to make this dish with your family, have some good times. And several of them, I would argue like the majority of them did do that and they had pictures that they wanted to show the next day when they were sharing their stories virtually. So there's definitely ways of making lemonade out of lemons, so to speak, in these situations. Um, As long as you're willing to adapt and make it fun for the students and um, be flexible yourself, they're going to be flexible and adapt accordingly. It's just a matter of trying to be creative in these times.
3: Okay. Ryan? Yeah, I think I think when we get into these situations where you know our greatest discomfort is where our greatest opportunity lies, you know. Uh, it's easy to see what's in front of you. It's harder to see what's beyond. So you have to start to push now to go, okay, what are we going to have to do to adapt our assignments beyond this, beyond where we're at right now? And and so that, you know, to so what I just said, the discomfort is, yeah, this is awkward. This is new. This is, um, you know, anytime you, you start something new, nobody likes change. But change is, it's tough because it makes you vulnerable, right? Because you have to realize you don't know something vulnerability, though, is not a weakness. It's actually a lot of courage. And to be vulnerable to step in, step forward into something you don't know much about takes a lot of courage. So I think from a growth standpoint, this is a great opportunity for us to grow. So the assignments that, you know, that Jamie was talking about, those are things she's had to probably come think through and go, okay, I have to dig for this one. This isn't just a, a textbook or a worksheet. That's not going to work. So for teachers, I think this is a great opportunity to get creative, to start having some think time. Sometimes when you're at your house and you just have a cup of coffee and look outside, it's like, wow, my brain can work. And, and so again, I think that being that this might be a time of great discomfort, it's where our greatest opportunity is going to lie if we just, if we figure out how to dig for it and, and really take advantage of what we have.
0: But So how are you connecting with your colleagues? Typically you'd have department uh, meetings or you'd be sharing what's working, what's not. Are you still, are you, are you just kind of plowing through it on your own or do you, are you all connecting on a regular basis? James?
1: I feel like um, we're really lucky at GCEC. We've always had a really tight knit family like environment with our teachers and that has not changed. I mean, I really miss seeing their faces. I miss being able to kind of cook for them and they cook for me and meeting up and eating at restaurants like definitely miss that. We have been able to have group text conversations, you know any time of day, day or night, just make a call, they're there and I'm there. We're really there for each other basically. So, um and definitely had a lot of Zoom sessions together. We're still meeting on our Monday meetings, but thankfully, honestly, that's a good thing that's come out of it. We initially we used to meet early in the morning on Mondays. Now we're meeting in the evenings.
3: <laughs> um that's a plus. All right, Ryan. The teacher engagement together has grown for us. I mean, it's it's knocked down a lot of barriers that you can't really work through in a work environment. You might jump on a Zoom call with your colleagues and people are in their pajamas or whatever. They got their dog in the picture or, you know, their kids are in the background yelling and you go, God, I'm not going to complain about my life ever again. Or you go, you know, you just, you learn the laugh. You learn that human level because that can be lost sometimes. We go, 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 go. And we forget there's a human level there that we have that grace with the kids, but sometimes we forget with each other. So I think this is for, I know at least for our staff, we've gotten a really close because we do truly care you know, that we want to be a good example. We want to make sure we're doing what's right for these kids. And if we don't have it together, then there's no way that we can provide them the best environment for the kids. I think what we've seen is a lot of walls have come down. That's very normal as people start to trust each other, because you only really learn at the speed of trust. And as we start to trust each other, we're, we're willing to be a little bit more open about things and work with each other and put ideas out there. And I think that's been a big, big plus for us as, as a, you know, as a team.
0: Ken, do you have anything to add to that?
4: Uh, i'm in the same boat as jamie we spend a lot of time together i speak with uh, my other two teachers on a daily basis no less than 10 to 20 times uh, via text or call three-way call so we, we've been and, and we were always tight like that although we didn't see each, see each other much at school because we're really busy i think i've spent more time communicating with them since we've been out of school than i did while we were in school because I'm, I'm able to more, I'm I'm available 12 hours where uh, during a seven, eight hour day, I'm with students nonstop. So uh, I think we've, we've grown even more and bonded more uh, since this has taken place and as a faculty. And also our administrator has parent awareness meetings every Monday and and we're keeping the parents informed because it's important uh, if, if the, the students are not informing their parents, which they do not often. Uh, the parents need to be able to uh, get out there and, and find out what's going on and, and get the information that they need. And we've had parent awareness meetings for the past four or five weeks, and they will continue uh, on Monday.
0: All right. Thank you, Sean. Um, as, you, as you think about your leadership with each group within your school, what's that been like for you and how people responded to this? kind of new reality for the end of the school year?
5: Well, I think the the biggest thing is just being able to connect with each other. And like Ryan said, answer those questions that are, are coming up and just being transparent. If I don't know the answer, just saying, sorry, I don't know. I'll find out. Or, you know, that's just still part of the unknown at this point. We do have our weekly grade level meetings. And I have one grade level that they have a theme each week. And they dress up, uh, you know, the first week uh, I opened up the Zoom room and one was outside with a float behind her. It was a beach theme. And I, then the next person popped in, they had on a Hawaiian shirt. And I thought, oh, OK. So they're finding ways to, to add a little humor to the meetings. And as an administrator, our principals group have a, a text, a thread that we do. And we send each other the little funny th- things that are on Facebook. About you know, parents and how they're reacting, you know, and teachers, um, how the roles have flipped and the humor in that—that that parents are realizing how hard these teachers do work, and that some of the things that they're saying in the classroom are really happening in the classroom. So that's been fun to watch those things come out. But I think the main thing is just you know reaching out, making sure, just like with the kids, you know, I want to make sure I see the faces there. If they don't come to a meeting, I had one teacher that was having a difficult time in this situation, and she had not shown up to a Zoom meeting, and her teammates had not talked to her, so I reached out, tried to call her, couldn't get her, reached out to her colleagues, and one of the colleagues actually went to check on her and you know made sure she was okay. But I think that making sure, just like we do for our children, that again, that the adults stay social socially and emotionally safe as well and and healthy during this time and so that's been it's been a challenge to balance all of the the meetings because you have school level meetings and district level meetings and then some of the classrooms have invited me to some of their zoom meetings so and I don't want to miss those it's been refreshing, like Ryan said, getting to know people on a personal level and seeing their children and popping in the background. You know, I'll say, okay, everybody bring your kids into the screen, even if it's a fur baby. So like Ryan said, just getting to see people in their own environment. And it just gets you to another level of camaraderie when you have that. And Lakeview Academy is very, I mean, we're just, our staff is a big family. So that's, You know, just wanting to make sure that we don't lose that and that we just deepen those relationships. And this is, you know, as Ryan said, it's it's an opportunity to grow and looking at it not as a negative, but as a, a positive and finding the positivity in that. You know, I've had teachers that have done a birthday caravan. They had a child in their class. Some of the teachers went out in different cars and they drove through the neighborhood blowing the horn and happy birthday and singing and all that hoopla or some teachers that took Easter baskets to some of their little people and left it on their doorstep. So I think that we're all finding ways to keep ourselves connected, both with the adults and the children. Yep. Yeah.
0: And Tracy, from from the district perspective with special education teachers, they're kind of in a, in a unique situation, especially if they're a resource teacher and, and they've got to support others. Uh, and then you've got your own connections that you're trying to keep. What's that been like for you and the staff that you work with?
2: I would say it's been very similar to, in some ways to the experience Sean just shared. Not only do we have our district-level meetings and our admin meetings, but then our teachers, we come together as a teaching group once a week in addition to their grade-level meetings. They each have set up their own Google Classroom, or some of them are connecting. That's the other thing I think that's been interesting is options that the teachers have had available to them of the different platforms that they're going to use. A lot of our teachers have still connected. connected via dojo with the younger group in particular. I have that perspective from three through 21 as far as my age span goes. So it's been very interesting to hear this group of teachers express these concerns and this group of teachers express those concerns. But we all seem to have the same concern of how are our kids really doing with all of this? And I think Coach Maz is right. It is an opportunity for growth. But as a leader, it is also an opportunity when all of this first rolled out, I felt like I had every special ed teacher in the district looking to me to give them an answer to something I didn't have the answer to. And that really left me feeling very vulnerable at first. And then I realized, you know what? IDA wasn't written with COVID-19 and a world pandemic in mind. We are going to step up to the plate, put our best foot forward, reach down inside ourselves and find the very best heart we can to try to do the very best we know how to do. And that's what I tell teachers every day, day in and day out. As long as you are doing the best you know how to do by the kid, you can't be wrong.
0: Well said. What's made you the most proud about your staff and how they've reacted to this and and how they're handling things with students? Sean?
5: Again, you know, it has been amazing to watch the different creative ways that the staff has reached out to, to the students. The Google Classrooms that they have created, they have come up with visuals for the children, something inspirational, or even having a little, we love you, we miss you, signs. The administrators have, we've created a TikTok video, the district level administrators have that we'll be pushing out soon. We do Flipgrid on our dojo and every morning there's a Flipgrid challenge. If There's a, a prompt, you know, like bring your pet to school today. And so they can record themselves with their pet and put that out for everybody to see. So I think I've just been amazed and I have always been amazed with the staff at LVA an incredibly hardworking group of people, and I know in every building in, in Baldwin that's true. But I only have a perspective from Lakeview. It's just
2: been it's been fun to watch. All
0: right, great, Tracy.
2: I think our teachers' creativity is amazing, but I think their tenacity and their drive to stick with it, the stick with itness, they got into this profession to impact kids, and they're still finding a way to impact kids without being able to be right beside them in the classroom.
0: For the teachers in our group, either personally or what you've seen your colleagues do, what's made you kind of the most proud about how you all have reacted to the situation?
4: I'm very proud that our society, our local community is able to see what teachers do day in and day out. And it gives me a bigger sense of pride because my teachers that I work with, they know how hard we work. I, sometimes I feel like the, the public doesn't. And I think we're out there more now with all this going on. So I'm glad that our community can see how well our teachers are performing during this crisis or and also that the teachers are there regardless of not being at school they're there for their students and that's real important and that shows compassion that uh, all the teachers have
0: all right thank you jamie
4: i
1: just think it's just truly really touching um just how teachers always come to bat i mean and i guess i might be a little biased i'm thinking about my school teachers in particular but just like I said, we've been in complete contact and just hearing their stories and how they're dealing with it so lovingly and just putting their best foot forward and trying to do all they can for their kids. Um, in addition, honestly, to our administrators, they've really been the backbone that we needed during this time for both their students and their, and their staff. And that's really important and helps us to do what we need to do um, for our kids.
0: Um, Sean, you had one more thing to say.
1: I was just going to speak on uh, Coach Matt.
5: He and I know a lot of our other teachers have been going to the food distribution sites or riding the buses. And, you know, I just it's amazing to see the teachers across the district who have given up their, their teaching time that they have to do later and are taking that time to go and connect with these kids. So just to tell you one thing that I'm proud of that I've seen both Ryan and other colleagues of
0: his. That's great, I'm glad you all are doing that. And it's it's certainly been true that we've seen lots and lots of folks that that heart for kids has been obvious. People are recognizing in in lots of ways that they probably wouldn't have before. Uh, So the last question I'll I'll ask the group, if you've had a chance to reflect at all, and everybody's been so kind of busy in the here and now, just trying to get done what's in front of uh, Ryan kind of alluded to this earlier so if you've had a chance to think about what's going to happen next not just necessarily in the fall what's going to happen going forward what's changed for you and your perspective about how you're going to think about instruction and how you're going to interact with kids and follow up with kids based on what we've experienced so far ken how about for you
4: well i will continue doing what i've been doing on the with the blended classroom however the very first day of school when i see students i will make sure that i have a protocol in case we never show back up that week or that month, that something's in place for my students. Tracy alluded to it earlier. I I think that we thought we were going to come back much earlier. If I could go back and have that last day once again so that I could really tell my students how important it is for them to be fully engaged at home and all the processes that that go with that, I, I would feel much better. It did take a couple of days for me to fully engage all students, we're there now. Uh, So next year I'm gonna make sure right from the get-go that they understand that they can be independent learners and I can be that facilitator. And what I've done now is I give them a whole week, just like my lesson plan, I give them a whole week of plans ahead of time, just like the plans that I'm seeing so they don't have to wait for me. And by using an online platform like Schoology, Not only am I able to remediate with them, they can do it by themselves. And also, more importantly, they can uh, be accelerated in their learning. They can see everything. It's it's methodical. The folders are there, structure so that they can see everything that we're going to learn the whole year. I'm prepared for that. However, I like seeing my students and I I like doing the teaching in the classroom. But I want to have a backup plan where I'm confident that my students, and I feel confident right now, that my students are are going to get the same quality of education, the same rigor that they would if they were physically at school by doing it through Zoom and other uh, platforms. That is my main goal for the rest of this year. And from this point forward, I will be prepared and my students will be prepared if we're out for any reason. We can go totally online and start from there. Tracy?
2: I was just going to bounce off what Ken said. Usually when school starts, the first thing we start working on are those procedures. How do I do this? How do I do that? That is going to the whole piece of how to connect. How do I turn on my computer? How do I get online? How do I, I mean, that's going to be something we're going to have to hit heavy and hard the minute we get our children back. Because it's just like Ken said, even if we, and I just said even, even if we are allowed to go back to school face-to-face. You never know when this might become something we have to do. And that's a discussion we've even had at our district level is, okay, in the in the best of well-laid plans, we're going to get to go back to school just like we were going to go back and follow the calendar we've laid out for face-to-face instruction. But we've already kind of had some discussions among ourselves. What if, what if this becomes an extended period of time? You know, we've considered, do we need to look at um, maybe having a plan of, coming back to school after Labor Day? Do we need to have a plan of doing some blended learning right off the bat? You know, I I think that all school districts, not just ours, are probably putting together multiple plans of attack behind the back because we don't know what the future is going to bring.
0: Jamie?
1: I think, you know, just reflecting on this experience and moving forward, I would like to see more, um, I guess, helping teach the parents how to cope with the situation, especially in terms of the digital learning, but also how to better support their student in social emotional ways too. I wish that we might've had more kind of almost, well, I mean, you can't help it in this type of situation, but it would have been nice to have a little bit more preparation so that maybe we could have done something like that. But I think that, you know, moving forward, you never know when it's going to happen again, or if something else could happen. So I think it's better if we go ahead and take it as a lesson learned and help our parents, just be more interactive with them and reach out to them and get them all together when we have a chance and really sit down and not only teach the student, but teach them because they're not experts. You know, they're doing the best they can during this situation, but they haven't, they don't have a degree in this like we do. Um, And just kind of giving them that opportunity to help them help their, their children better so we can all be in this partnership together as effectively as possible.
3: Ryan, another big thing to, as we go through this and we come out on the other side, as much as there's unknown, you can't quantify contingencies, the what if, the what if, the what if, right? That's the irony in being prepared, but you can't prepare for the unknown, right? So instead of maybe having X's and O's, it's what are we doing as a mindset? How are we looking at this? How are we going into it? So maybe as teachers, we look at, and teachers and students, like, why don't we reevaluate the standards we've set in a classroom? You know, what standard are we playing to? Because a lot of times in life, we play to very low standards because we don't get challenged. What I mean by that is like, okay, so I'm not much taller than a cubicle. Okay, it's about five, eight. So, so if I played basketball on a six foot rim, well, I would dominate because I could dunk on the rim. And I would, I could easily send you even a little video like on TikTok or Instagram, how good I look through that lens, right? But if you put me on a a rim of at the standard, that's gonna be 10 feet. Now I'm actually playing to a higher standard. I have to adjust. I have to up my skill level, my game. And I think for... For us, you know, we want breakthroughs in areas we're not always willing to go through. So if we want these breakthroughs, we've got to be willing to go through this and then come out and go, okay, what are we doing to prepare to raise the standards so that the mindset is right? So when we go through this again, we know how to, you know, kind of come through and and think through this.
0: Thank you all. I really appreciate the time that you've given me to share your experiences during this difficult time so that Paige can share it with others. I appreciate all the work that you're doing in Baldwin County Schools. It's clear as individuals and as representatives of your district that you each have a great heart for the kids in your community. While you care about instruction and learning, you've demonstrated how much you also care about the safety and well-being of the children in your classrooms and the educators and staff in your school district. I've really enjoyed talking with you all, and it was a pleasure getting to know you a little bit through this conversation. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Thank
4: you, Craig. Thank you, Craig.